Three weeks ago, we changed our order of service by replacing the formal offertory with a free will offertory. And the instant we did that, we disconnected the doxology from money, which gives it the standalone honor that it deserves. The English word doxology derives from the Latin, dox means praise, and logium means written or oral expression. So the doxology we sing every Sunday was written in the early 1600s by Thomas Ken. Ken was responsible for the spiritual development of students in Winchester College and Cathedral. But he was concerned as he spent time there. He was concerned that the only time the students praised and thanked God was when they were forced to go to chapel service. So he decided to write three short hymns and then to sing them so they could sing them throughout the day. The morning hymn, the evening hymn, and the midnight hymn. The doxology we sing is the last stanza on all three of those hymns. So historically, it has nothing to do with people walking up and down the aisles with a basket asking for money. Rather, it is a reminder that the main reason we come to church is to offer God thanks and praise. I also have a very personal reason why I love the doxology. Before I went to divinity school, I was the manager of a large restaurant and nightclub. It was in a blue-collar town with 18% unemployment. And the people were, to put it mildly, gruff and gritty. But also, much to my surprise, they were often overflowing with passion and praise in the midst of all that poverty. Well, during the same time, I was in my senior year at a small liberal arts college, which required classes in philosophy and religion. I was smitten. So it was the blending together of the nitty-gritty and the spiritual in my life that called me in a different direction. I'll never forget the day I announced to my staff of 70 and all my customers that I was going to divinity school. <laughs> they were stunned. And I really couldn't blame them, you see, because I was not a churchgoer at all. But God had that covered. Shortly after my religious coming out, I started dating a Swiss girl who knew everything there was to know about church. So thanks to her, I began attending Sunday morning services. As you can imagine, I was a fish out of water, an ecclesiastical clod. I didn't know when to stand up or sit down and forget singing those complicated old hymns. However, there was one hymn I could sing. First, because it was short, and second, because we sang it every single Sunday. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise God, all creatures here below. Praise God above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. I could sing the doxology, and I grew to love it. So much so that two years later when I married that Swiss girl, the entire congregation stood up and sang it right after the kiss. A month after our wedding, we moved to Chicago to attend medical and divinity school. For several weeks, we searched and searched all over the city for a church, but we could not find one. And then one Sunday, we walked into the Fourth Presbyterian Church of Chicago on Michigan Avenue, a beautiful Gothic sanctuary in the heart of the city. And I'll never forget it. As soon as the organist started playing the prelude, everyone quieted down. 
And then suddenly the prelude transitioned into the doxology. And in that instant, the entire congregation rose to their feet and sang praise God from whom all blessings flow. At which point I looked over at my new wife and I said, they're playing our song. My proposal this morning. Doxology is good for us. It is, I would submit to you this morning, essential to our health and our happiness. It lifts us up and it calms us down, regardless of what is happening in our lives. Garrison Keillor expressed the idea humorously in one of his monologues. Car ownership in Lake Lobagon is a matter of faith. Lutherans drove Fords from Bunsen Motors, the Lutheran car dealer. Catholics drove Chevrolets from Maine Garage, owned by the Krugers, who, of course, were Catholic. The Brethren, Keeler's own people, being Protestant, also drove Fords. But they distinguished themselves from the Lutherans by attaching small scripture banners to the top of their license plates. The verses were written in tiny glass beads, so they glowed in the dark. Keeler's father sported a compass on the dashboard. It had luminescent letters across the face which read, I am the way. But the real champion among the Church of the Brethren people was Brother Louis. His four-door fair lane had a very special horn. He found a company in Indiana that advertised custom-made musical horns. Louis's horn played the first eight notes of the doxology. It sounded just like a trumpet. He blew it at pedestrians, at oncoming traffic, while passing, and sometimes just for his own pleasure. On occasion, when vexed by a fellow driver, he gave into wrath and laid on the horn, only to hear, praise God, from whom all blessings flow. And it calmed him down. It calmed him down right away. Now, a lot of groovy people nowadays listen to calm apps. There's one actually called Calm. It's a great app. The doxology has been my app for many, many years. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise God all creatures here below. It will lift you up and it will calm you down at the same time. At its core, the doxology is a prayer. A prayer of praise and thanks to God. Way back in the 1600s, Meister Eckhart put it best. He said, if the only prayer you ever pray is thanks, that would be sufficient. So, if someone this Thursday at your Thanksgiving table suddenly looks over at you and says, I guess we should pray, hint, hint, don't panic. You've got this. Just pray the doxology. And I guarantee you, everyone at the table will be impressed by your theology and also your brevity. In 1863, President Lincoln declared the last Thursday of November a national day of praise and thanksgiving. The following is a sample of his speech. The year that is drawing towards its close has been filled with the blessings of fruitful fields and healthful skies. To these bounties, which are so continuously enjoyed, that we are prone to forget the source from which they come. Therefore, I invite my fellow citizens to set apart and observe the last Thursday of November as a day of thanksgiving and praise to our Creator who dwelleth in the heavens. 
The year has been filled with the blessings of fruitful fields and healthful skies. Let us give thanks to our Creator. Now, I'm guessing Lincoln had our first reading for this morning in mind when he wrote that speech. Oh God, you crown the year with your bounty. Your wagon tracks overflow with richness. The pastures of the wilderness overflow. The hills gird themselves with joy. The meadows clothe themselves with flocks. The valleys deck themselves with grain. They shout and they sing together for joy. Okay. So what about all those times in our lives when we are not experiencing God's bounty? Those times when the pastures of our souls feel more like a desert. Do we still stand up and sing the doxology? Yes, we do. In fact, especially during those times. Enter our second reading. I love this. Though the fig tree does not blossom, though no fruit is on the vines, Though the produce of the olive fails, and the fields yield no food, though the flock is cut off from the fold, and there is no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will exalt in the God of my salvation. The true test of faith is if we can praise God when our body and our mind and our soul are parched and weary a time when we are most aware that God is ever-present, not just in the flow of life, but also in the ebb. Years ago, one of the members of my church in Rhode Island developed a brain tumor. Her name was Rachel. She was actually Julia Child's niece. A decade prior, she had surgery for breast cancer, and now it had traveled up to her brain. So she had to go in for regular radiation treatments. And one day I asked her what it was like and how she was coping. And she replied with this. The first treatment was painless and brief. But what was really hard for me was having to lay down in this conveyor belt, which moved me into this long, dark tube. I'd never felt more afraid and alone. And then she said this. So you know what I do now? When I go to treatment and they roll me into that tube, I begin singing the doxology. And by the time I finish singing, the treatment is over. In my fear and darkness, I sing praise God from whom all blessings flow. It lifts me beyond my fear to a place of peace, a calm that passes all understanding. Hence, church, we come in here on a Sunday morning in good times and in bads, in ebbs and in flows, and we do something countercultural and counterintuitive. We stand up and we sing the doxology, and in that moment, we are lifted beyond ourselves to a place of peace and calm. Even the pilgrims on their first Thanksgiving, after losing over half of their loved ones and nearly starving to death, stood up, held hands, and sang our next hymn. They sang the old 100th, which is the same tune as the doxology. So let's do it now. Please rise and sing hymn number four from the blue hymnal. (laughs) 